Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with clinical psychologist and relationship coach, Dr. Morgan Anderson. This was just a really great conversation because we get to dive into some of the nerdy science behind relationships, which I'm so fascinated by. Dr. Morgan is just so genuine and fun, and she knows how to keep it real while helping to empower women to take an honest look at their relationships. And this is relationships of all kinds, right? Whether that's with somebody else, a significant other, a family member, a friend, or your relationship with money. She helps women to rediscover their self-worth and find that inner peace, which is why we're so aligned and why I was so excited to talk to her. So who is Dr. Morgan? Dr. Morgan Anderson is a clinical psychologist, attachment theory expert, and host of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. She's the creator of the Empowered, Secure, Loved Relationship Method, which has helped hundreds of women heal their hearts and find love. Her mission is to help women break the toxic dating cycle, raise their self-worth, and attract the healthy relationship that they've always wanted. In our conversation, we talk about attachment theory and the different attachment styles, what secure attachment looks like with with somebody else in a relationship with somebody else and in our relationship with money, shame versus radical self-acceptance, couples and money, which is always a juicy topic, and so much more. You guys can find Dr. Morgan on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. You can also check out her website at drmorgancoaching.com. Her podcast is called Let's Get Vulnerable, and that's where she talks about attachment theory, dating, communication, all the fun stuff. She also has a brand new book called Love Magnet, which you can go check out on Amazon. All the links I'm going to throw in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Dr. Morgan Anderson. Enjoy. Hi, Dr. Morgan. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really, really excited about our conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So this is a podcast about our relationship with money. I'm a financial planner by training. It's what I do in my day job. But the last thing I want to do on this podcast is give financial advice. Instead, what I really want to do is talk about all the beliefs and the stories and the feelings that, that are underneath all of our behaviors as they relate to money. And in particular for women, because we tend to get the short end of the stick when it comes to confidence around money. And this is all in an effort to reduce or eliminate the anxiety and the fear that so many of us carry around when it comes to money. And one of my core beliefs is the way that we think about money is the way that we think about everything in our lives, which is sort of where you come in um, as a clinical psychologist and in particular attachment theory expert, you can see the interconnectedness between how we feel about ourselves. So like our self-worth and how we interact in relationships with others and our own relationship with money or our money mindset, for example. So 
I would love to have you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself, how you got into this kind of work and, um, and just what you do on a daily basis. Like what is the work that you do with your clients and, and, and how are you seeing an impact? Yeah, I love it. Wow. I'm so excited to be here. And um, yes, I do believe that we show up in our relationships the way that we show up in every other area of our life. So totally agree with you on that. Um, I got started like most people who find themselves in clinical psych. I actually experienced childhood trauma myself. I lost my mom at a young age. I um, witnessed my dad go through three different marriages lots of chaos in my upbringing. And I was fascinated with helping people from a young age. I knew I wanted to be a clinical psychologist by age eight. So I was, I knew really, really early on. Um, And then I found myself in my second year of my doctoral program. And I had had just a terrible dating life. I dated all these people and It was always these terrible breakups, all this drama. I was in a ton of emotional pain, but here I am, you know, I'm going to be a psychologist. So like I should know better, but I'm in my second year of grad school and I found myself dating a narcissist. And of course I did not know that he was one up front. Um, But about a year and a half in, I hit absolute rock bottom and I was filing a police report I'm 24 years old and I just knew I can't live like this any longer. I think a a lot of us have those moments. And that was one of those moments for me of, I can't live like this any longer. Um, And I threw myself into therapy, threw myself into coaching and personal development. And then I dedicated all my research to attachment theory from that point on because I knew that it was the way to help me understand relationships and how to have healthy connections. So threw myself into that and then went on to specialize in working with couples. And I had a beautiful private practice in La Jolla, California, near the beach. And I worked with couples, but then I realized I want to help more people because I can only see about 25 people a week. I want to help more people. And I launched the online program that I have now, which is the empowered, secure, loved program. And it's everything you need to move towards a secure attachment style and attract a great relationship. So that's my story in a nutshell. We've helped over 500 women at this point. And it's just like, it's amazing the impact. Um, I, I love what I do. It's, it's been great. Yeah. It sounds like the work that you do is starts with that basis of self-worth, right? It's what it seems. So if a woman were to come to you saying, I need help, where do you start with? Like what's sort of that baseline? And I guess it's probably all dependent on what their individual goals are, right? But but where do you go from there? Like what's kind of the process? Great question. So probably very similar to you. Um, I believe in identifying our belief systems first. So we uncover what your current belief systems are, specifically your beliefs about yourself and then your beliefs about relationships. Mm -hmm. We're uncovering those beliefs. And then I also do this thing called the relationship inventory. And you go through and we look at all your past relationships and we identify the patterns 
and we look at the attachment dynamics in those relationships and and what this does because it's so important it gives people understanding so they can go oh that's why i did what i did and then with understanding we have compassion yes. with compassion we can let things go so the first stage though is really that understanding your of your belief systems and your relationship history so that next I help you let it go. We fully release it. I have processes around that that help you fully release the past. And then it's about rewiring your empowering belief systems. And then I teach people how to show up securely attached, not just logically, but how to actually embody secure attachment and show up as that healthy version of themselves. And then you attract different kinds of connections. So that is a very short explanation, but but that's it. at least the beginning of the work. Yeah, no, I love that. And and this strategy that you've developed, it sounds like you're, you know, typically you're using it with your relationship with people, right? With, you know, maybe a significant yeah. other or whoever in your life, but it sounds like you can use it with kids. You could use it with relationships at work, career. You can use it with your relationship with money. So Let's dive into what attachment theory is, because this is going to be probably pretty new to a lot of my listeners. And I'd love to just start with the basics. What What is attachment theory and what are the different kind of attachment styles that you um, work with? Great. Yes. So attachment theory in a nutshell is a framework to help you understand why you do what you do in a relationship and also help you understand why other people do what they do. And it's a it's a way of understanding your thoughts, behaviors, feelings, ways of connecting, protest behaviors, triggers. It's a way of understanding all of those things that happen in relationships um, so that you are just more aware of, ooh, that's why I do this or that's why I show up this way. Um, and once again, with understanding, then we can change, right? So yeah. I see it as a framework to help us change and grow and heal. Um, it started with John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. They were studying baby monkeys and how they related to their mothers. Um, early attachment theory was parent-child, and it was applied only in that relationship. But then more research developed, and what we realized is the relationship that you have with your caregivers creates a template or it creates a way of being because you learn how to get needs met early on and that we carry that template with us into our adult romantic relationships and our ways of being in childhood show up in our adult life. And then there's four attachment styles. So the first yeah, one is, do you want me to dive in? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love we'll to. do it. Let's <laughs> so, do it. The first one is anxious attachment. Then we have avoidant attachment, secure, and then there's disorganized. Um, I'll start with anxious. Anxious attachment in a nutshell is I'm valuing the relationship more than I value myself. And I always have fear of losing the person. Like I'm just preoccupied. Uh, no matter how much reassurance I get, I'm not able to feel secure and safe 
and know that, okay, this person's going to be there. This is, you might be anxiously attached if you're like sending 15 text messages or you're like looking at their Instagram story and trying to see where they're at or like, why haven't they called you? Like you're very hyper-focused on your partner. And then we have avoidant attachment. And these people really struggle with depending on another person. They have a lot of beliefs around people are going to let me down or they might think I'm going to let other people down, that I'm not able to show up as a good enough partner. And the way that they cope is by hyper-independence. So kind of like, I'm going to be an island. I don't need anyone. I'm not going to you know, engage. I'm not going to get too close. If I get too close, I'm going to pull away. I'm going to maybe disconnect from my emotions because emotions are scary. Um, so these people have a hard time maintaining a relationship. They might start one, but they're, they're going to struggle to maintain it. Um, and then disorganized attachment is only about 5% of the population. And this is connected to childhood trauma. This was me in the past. It's, and it's a really painful way of being where you go back and forth between anxious and avoidant. So one moment you're like, Ooh, don't leave me. I need you. And the next you're like, bye, I'm going to Cabo for three weeks. I don't want to talk to you. Like you're pulling away from, from the relationship. And it's this like back and forth. It's a pendulum swing. Um, And that kind of partner is very, it's hard. It's like very unpredictable. I feel very emotionally dysregulated. It's painful. And then we have secure, which is where we all want to be in our relationships and with money, with everything in our lives. We want to be securely attached where we value ourselves and we value our partner. We know that we're worthy of love. We're able to receive love and we're also tuned in. We're able to give love and we are able to set boundaries, communicate openly, honestly, directly Um, and we know that our self-worth is not connected to our relationship status, that we just have self-worth and it's there and we haven't outsourced our self-worth is how I like to say that. Like we've taken full ownership. Um, so everybody can have percentages of all of those. So you might say, Ooh, I show up 50% avoided and 50% secure, 25% anxious and, um, 75% secure. Everybody has a different attachment uh, style configuration. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of gets to the nature and nurture question. Is the attachment style more how we were brought up or personality and how we were just our experiences of the world? Great question. So what we know is that it's both. Isn't that fun? Like most most scientists and psychologists, they'll say it's both. So um, what, what can happen is you can have twins in the same environment and they could develop different attachment styles based on how they respond to what happens in their environment. So one could become very anxious and become like unable to be soothed and be very needy as a child. And the other twin could just learn to shut off and not have emotions and develop the avoidant attachment. So it's part nature, who who we are as people, and then it's part nurture, um, what we receive in our environments. Yeah. It's and it's the the relationship 
among those two things, right? Because you, yeah. you're, you're right. You just don't know how those two factors will create yeah. the adult and the thought processes as a mature adult. So you couldn't really control that. Like I'm thinking about this from a, a parent perspective, right? I can't do a whole lot about my child's secure, like creating a secure attachment for, for them. You can in that, you know, we, there's um, a psychologist I love um, who I can't remember the name right now, of course, but um, he talks about being the good enough parent and 50% of people are securely attached, believe it or not. Okay. 50% of people had that good enough parent that creates the secure base where your kids know that they can come to you if they need something, if they, they can express their emotions to you and you can be a safe container for them and they can go on and develop secure attachment. Like that's actually 50% of people, which yeah. always blows my mind. Cause that, that was not me. Um, but yes, as parents, we can show up there's always going to be failures. Secure attachment doesn't mean that you don't have any attachment failures. It just means that you show up as a good enough parent with yeah. a secure base. Mm, yeah. I'm so fast that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so interesting to me that I, I'm actually very surprised that the 50% statistic too, <laughs> I would think at least kind of the the world around me, I would think that it would be far less than that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That's so interesting. So what does like let's let's throw out some examples here what does secure attachment when it comes you just you gave some um some kind like a description but what does secure attachment look like within our relation like the context of our relationship with money so one of the things that i try to teach and coach throughout this podcast is is kind of turning inward rather than outward and i think that is probably very much in alignment with some of the the description that you just said. I love your theory on this or your thoughts. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, I love this topic. I I actually think about this quite a bit. So, um, because I have women who go through my program and they get raises at their job or they're making 50% more than they used to. So it's always fascinated me how I see the financial impacts of this work. So I, so I've thought about this and it's fun to get to talk about it because yeah. I don't get to. So secure attachment with money, we really have said that our worth is separate from our money. So we develop that unconditional self-worth. I have not outsourced my self-worth. I know I'm good enough. I believe that I am deserving, that I'm a good human at my core um, there, there's so much research that if we look at all the negative beliefs we have about ourselves, they all boil down to, I'm not good enough. There's mm-hmm. something wrong with me, right? So secure attachment starts with, you know, I am good enough. I, I'm not needing money to determine that I'm a good human. I just am and I am enough. Or I'm not needing a certain amount, like a certain right. Amount. Because people get obsessed with numbers, I feel like. Conditional. I used to have a belief that I would not be good enough until I was earning over six figures. Very interesting, right? But Mm -hmm. a lot of us do that. We pick a certain number and we we tie our worth to that number. 
Well, a perfect example, not necessarily in money here is dieting and like that whole world. Like people will say that I'm not good enough until I hit a certain number on the scale, Yes, which is just so incredibly messed up when you think about it. Oh, it it. is. Absolutely. It's it's conditional. It's black and white. If you hit this number, then you're good. If you don't, you're bad. It's so, so un- unhelpful. Yeah. To your like, yes. like thoughts and yeah. the, way that, yeah. know, the way that you approach yourself. <laughs> yeah. So I would start with the belief, right? And then the next thing I would say about secure attachment with money is open, honest, direct. We think about that communication with a partner. You want that same communication with money. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. total acceptance radical acceptance of where you currently are with your money and you're open and you're honest and you're direct about what it is that you need. And and this is the one that gets so many people, isn't it? Like they just don't want to be honest about where they currently are. I see it even with clients of mine. I mean, I have to, as a financial planner, like, like my job is to know more about their financial situation than they even do. And there's clients still that are like, we have like clients link up all of their checking accounts, their yeah. accounts and their, in their credit cards and stuff. And I've had clients be like, no, nah, I don't want to do that one. Like I'll give you all of them, but not this one. And it's like, it's like a store credit card, right? Like it's a, I, I don't know, like a Lululemon card or something like that. It just, I, I, I laugh at it because in my head, but I laugh at it because I'm like, there's still, there's something there. I mean, you feel shame, you feel shame around that and you don't want yes. to admit that you're making purchases over here that you probably don't feel good about. Right. So yeah, it's fascinating to me, but it's, it's having the, like the self-awareness is so important and that's education. That's basically just what you have, what, what you have, what you own and what you owe, as I say, and then also what coming in and what's going out. So good. And, and you said a key word there, which is shame which is what keeps so many people from being honest. And it's the same in our dating lives and in our building long-term partnerships. Like if we have shame, then we can't be really honest about what it is that we need or what's not working, right? Like I feel like, oh, I should be really happy and I'm not, and I'm ashamed that I'm not happy. So then we don't tell our partners what we need. So so shame is a huge one. Like just having that radical self-acceptance that you're human, This is a normal human experience to struggle in this area. And you have to give yourself so much love and compassion and probably speak to that inner child too, Um, the child version of you that was maybe afraid um, that they wouldn't have enough or, you know, like, like me, I watched my own dad go through a bankruptcy at age 11 and that had a huge impact on, on my beliefs about money and scarcity mindset and it wasn't until I could look at that with compassion and understanding that I could fully let it go. Right, so it's like a resentment or an anger. Yeah. This is what you put me through kind of thing. And it's like, you've created a level of forgiveness there that yes. needs to be done before you can even kind of create that healthy, yes, healthy mindset for yourself. Yes, Exactly. Um, And then I think even more for secure attachment, it's like, what are the healthy money culture pieces that need to be developed? Because I talk about relationship culture, and this is like your norms, your beliefs, your habits, your behaviors. 
So you need to develop a healthy money culture where the norms are healthy and they're supportive and you have habits that make you feel good and it's prioritized. I I always tell my clients, we make it real when we put it on a calendar. If it's not scheduled, it's not real. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to creating a healthy money culture, I create money dates for myself where I look at all my finances and I pair it with my favorite kombucha because I don't drink. But hey, if you drink, like you maybe have a glass of wine or something, but pair it with pair it with something you enjoy and put it on your calendar as a priority. Yeah. And, and I say the same thing, like do this, combine it with an environment where you feel comfortable, where you're not anxious. Like don't do it when there's like kids screaming at you from the other room or like it's had a really like stressful day at work or like after a bill comes in the mail that you maybe yeah. weren't expecting or something like that. I'm like, no, you need to be in a calm state where you really can be able to understand and give yourself the space to be kind and present. Yes. And practice emotional regulation. And this is the exact same thing I said to couples for years. It's like, you don't try to work something out with your spouse when you're in traffic and you just had 12 hour working days. Like you don't set yourself up for failure. So it's the same thing. If you're having a, a tough conversation with a partner your, your conversation with money, you need to be able to regulate your emotions and feel safe and supported. So yes, do it at a, a calm, supportive environment. One of the things that I allude to a lot on the show, and I haven't really talked about too much because it's such a loaded topic and I, I'm going to get there, but I think I'm going to do it like in pieces is to having the money conversation with your significant other or partner or whoever is in your life. I feel like that is, it is so loaded and there are so many angles to it, but I think honestly, it all starts with communication, honest, open, vulnerable conversation, Mm -hmm. but I'd love to get your thoughts on this area as well. Oh, it's such a good question. I love this. Um, I, I think it obviously depends on where you're at in the relationship, like early stages of dating. That's probably something that you're just not there, but obviously as you develop a more serious connection and clearly if you've made a decision to be married, um, openness about money is just part of being with someone, um, and it's about like, you know, we're, we're open about how we feel about our physical health. It's just like another area of well-being and we just have to treat it that way of like, well, of course I share about this because I deserve to be supported. I think, I think that's one thing we we don't realize, like we deserve to be supported by the people closest to us and people can't read our minds. They don't know what we're going through. They can't cheer us on if we don't share. So, so I think it's really helpful to say, this is my partner in life. They deserve to know how I'm doing in all areas of wellness. And money is just one of those areas. So if we're going to be a team, let's be a team and let's be open, honest and direct about what's going on. Yeah. And be intentional about it. Nobody likes to do it necessarily, but it's part of like the foundation of a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship with another person. You have to be open and talk about the things that may be uncomfortable, but are important, are so important as part of like, yes. because again, 
you can't avoid money. You can't avoid it. Like so many no. like households just are like, okay, there's a bill. We'll just pay it, but don't, but aren't intentional about who's paying what, or maybe what account it's coming from, or, or just, just like the mechanics and the logistics and all this stuff. And, and because I think maybe things end up just working the way they do, because maybe one person in the relationship just maybe has more of a understanding of it or knowledge of it or, or preference or interest in it. Like, you know, that, like that's me. Cause I'm the financial planner. My husband's not interested yeah. in it whatsoever, which is interesting because it's a little bit of a gender role reversal from, you know, yeah, traditional, the, yeah, the traditional, but I love that. I love it because it's empowering for me, obviously. Yeah. And, dis- and, he- and to some extent, you know, there's also the dynamic that it could be disempowering for him, but he sort of kind of just let it go. And now even when, you know, a bill comes in, he'll just forward something to me or he'll just send it to me and I'll put it on your desk. And like, you, he just knows. <laughs> and you have trust and you have secure attachment to be able to do that. I think what's what's scary is probably earlier on in a connection. And and let's say you have an anxious attachment style and you're just so worried that you're going to be abandoned and you don't want to rock the boat and you don't want to set any boundaries. You can get yourself in a bad spot financially. I know that there's women listening who have done this. I did this in my past where I was just paying for stuff. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to have to say like, oh, actually, you know, I paid for dinner for the last three months, like it's, it's your turn, right? Like it can be a really dangerous place if you are equating your ability to pay for things and your ability to give to your partner. If you're saying that that's how they're going to stay with you. Like I've seen too many women get there. So I want to say we start relationship culture from the first date it's so much easier to start off with open, honest, direct communication and clear boundaries than trying to like steer a ship that's gone in one direction. Trying to trying to rewrite your culture a year in is a lot harder. But if you are there, it's possible. But just being aware of of what you deserve and and yeah, things get to be talked about. It's just numbers and it gets it gets to feel good and you get to come up with arrangements that feel good to both people. You can have win-win decisions about money. There's not a winner or a loser. You you can create something that feels good. And if you can't, it might not be the right person for you. Right. Right. And there has to be a genuine interest and engagement in this conversation. Yes. And if, you know, maybe it is a red flag if one person is clearly avoiding it. And doesn't want to have this, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to talk. And there's, there's different scenarios. Like clearly you and your husband, like if you have had secure attachment you have a great relationship and you have this understanding of the roles, that's one thing. Right. But if from early on, there's never that discussion or you don't create a secure attachment with someone, it can set you up for, for a really, really tough um, marriage. And I mean, 50% of marriages when um and in divorce and a, a huge percentage is over money. So I just think it can't be ignored. It can't be ignored. Not at all. And one of the questions that I have for you is what if you have both people in the relationship come from drastically different backgrounds or mindsets when it comes to money? Like say one person is, and which is so interesting because like opposites tend to attract. So I feel like this happens pretty frequently. Yes. So what if one person is completely scarcity mindset and, you know, afraid to, to spend money and cheap yes. <laughs> and saves their pennies 
And then the other person just doesn't look at prices of anything, just goes and spends whatever they want to, doesn't pay attention to, you know, doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, like, what kind of guidance, like, how do you talk to these or how do you get these two to be able to kind of meet in the middle somewhere? So you're describing my partner and I, so that's fun. Um, so what I realized is, well, and, and I had done a lot of work, um, on myself too. So I was very aware of things, but what's really helpful is just total honesty. I I remember early on in our, in our relationship, we were just very honest about our thoughts about money and our habits and our patterns. And we were really honest about ways that we needed to grow and things that we both wanted to work on. And what's been really beautiful is both of us learning from each other and trying different things on and um, being able to uh, create things that feel good to both of us. But I think something that's really important too, and, and this is something that I tell a lot of couples, what felt good to us was to still maintain a separate account um, and to have to have a separate account and to have a joint account. And then we have money dates together. So it's once again, it goes back to that openness, honesty, transparency, vulnerability. and vulnerability, not judging each other. So, you know, when he's able to say like, I haven't bought a new couch. And, and when I moved in with him, he didn't even have a dining room table because he didn't want to spend money on buying a table. I could have been like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like I could have judged him. But instead, I had so much compassion because I knew that he grew up with that scarcity mindset and like that was his way um, of coping. But guess what? We went and picked a dining room table together and we agreed on the price and it was a it was a beautiful thing for us to do. So I really think those partners on extremes, they can learn from each other and they can grow together and they can find a way to move towards the middle a little bit. Just like with everything, I feel yeah. like, I mean, that's, that's why, again, I think money is just such a, it's like one aspect of life, but it's like a metaphor for everything in life. Right. Because like the way you approach it is the way that you ideally would need to kind of look at, at the rest of the world. Like it's yes. not, it's not black and white. It's not my way or the highway. It's, it's compromise. It's somewhere in the middle. And yeah, maybe one day, I mean, it, my husband would, you know, think nothing of going out to dinner and paying like God knows what amount. And whereas I'm like, what's the bill? How much is that? Like, we're totally <laughs> kind of opposite. Cause I get, I, I have that, like, you know, more scarcity kind of anxiousness around money, but I'm learning so much from him because I don't necessarily need to like, right. Like just cause yeah. I have, that's my default doesn't mean that that's the way that I have to like yeah. it doesn't be that way. Like, the money can that it can support you and that it can be a beautiful tool that you get to use intentionally and feel so good. What one example with my partner and I, we um, spend part-time in Florida, right? And he's an avid fisherman. He'd lived in Florida for seven years and he'd always wanted to go to the Keys, the Florida Keys. It's a beautiful spot, mm-hmm. but he'd been too scared to spend the money. Um, he was just holding on to it. But I said, Hey, what if we plan for it? And we have this travel account and we get to go. And that's what we did. And we had this beautiful experience in the Florida Keys. And he tells me all the time how grateful he is that I kind of pushed him out of his comfort zone Mm -hmm. to spend some money on really treating ourselves and having this amazing experience. 
So yeah, I think we can grow. We can grow from our partners, right? Yeah. I love that example that you use because it's, it's not like he's just spending money just to spend money. Like he's aligning yeah. the, where his dollars are going with his intention. He values really wanted to go there. Values, exactly. Values-based spending is just in my mind, like the, the only way to do this, because if you're just going to be like, if, if, if instead he just went on, you know, a couple little like weekend trips or like a night away somewhere close and it was supposed to be like the ideas it's supposed to fill a void. Or supposed to yeah. fulfill that hunger or that craving that he has for something else. It's not going to do it if it's just a substitute for what you really want to do. Isn't so, this funny how it relates to relationships? Because as yeah. you're saying this, I'm like, we will fill our time with the people who we know aren't quite right for us instead of waiting for that Florida Keys person, right? Yes. Like that person who's really meant for you. So it's, it's so connected values-based dating. Like, are you, are you dating in a, in alignment with what you really want? Yeah. And so many people don't put that intention into it from the get-go, from the very beginning, Yeah, you just dive right in and, you know, deal with the consequences one way or the other, right? Yes. You either make it work because you want this relationship so much, or you kind of struggle and yes. end up, you know, maybe not in an ideal situation for either for you or either the other person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fascinating. <laughs> I could talk to you all day long. Like this is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. But I, we are, we will have to wrap up soon, but um, before we do that, I want to have you talk a little bit about your podcast. Let's get vulnerable, which I love the name because we were just talking about vulnerability. Yeah. And, um, and then also your brand spanking new book, Love Magnet. Thank you. Yeah, this has been so fun. I can't believe the time went this quickly. Um, So my podcast is Let's Get Vulnerable. I talk all about attachment theory, dating, communication. Um, and I always try to give you things that you can go apply today right now. Um, so yeah, check that out. Two episodes a week, everywhere podcasts are aired. And then my book, thank you for mentioning it. I can't believe I have a book out. It's like brand new and here it is. It's, um, love magnet, get off the dating roller coaster and attract the love you deserve. Um, it's all about how to help you move towards a secure attachment style, no matter what your past has been. Um, and you can get on Amazon. So check that out. And you um, can use it with your relationship with money too. To, you absolutely to can. All the goodness and all the stuff that you want in your life, right? All the abundance. Absolutely. It starts with you. So yes. I, love I love it. I can't wait to read it. I'm super excited. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. This has been so fun. Absolutely. Tell everyone where they can find more from you. I know you're on social media oh, yes. and you have a website as well. That's right. Absolutely. So yes, I am on Instagram at Dr. Morgan coaching. It's Dr. Morgan coaching. Um, and then my website is just drmorgancoaching.com. Instagram is probably the best place to connect with me. I have a post a day and I do get in my, my DMs. So if you have a question or you were um, connected with something in the episode, I'd love to connect with you via DM. Awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure and um, stay tuned. I hope to have you back and we'll have I love it. a conversation later on. So thank you. Thank you.